The book was better. Hello, hello. Hello, and welcome to the Book Was Better podcast. I'm Kaylee Clark. I'm Taylor Collette. And, uh... We're going to try and be quick today. <laughs> yes. We um, had a crazy week, and so we are now recording. For me, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, so... Um, Two in the afternoon for me, so... <laughs> if you hear sounds in the background... It's because we normally Children record awake. Yeah, we normally record <laughs> at night when everything's kind of quiet and asleep. Nah, middle of the day. It'll no, be great. Today. <laughs> so my I have kids awake. My cats are actually asleep for once. They no. sleep during the day. They're awake when we normally record. So my um, uh, my landlady just got a puppy. So if you hear any barking in the background, that's why. Good noises though. We like puppies, right? Mm-hmm. Except when they're waking you up, <laughs> um, they're yapping. But because this is, we're recording this at a different time, it's, it's also partially because I was on vacation all last week, which kind of threw off our recording yeah. schedule a little bit. Because um, I didn't get back until really late Saturday. Um, and then kind of took all day Sunday to prepare when we normally record Sunday nights. And so I was not ready to record Sunday <laughs> night. So... Sorry, um, but this episode, we're going to try and make it quick because Taylor has to get to work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so just really quick, um, by way of announcements, we are finishing up this reading calendar cycle. We're doing Emma today, and then in two weeks, we'll be doing The Devil Wears Prada. And that finishes out our reading calendar. So we are talking about and planning and putting together the next three month cycle and we want to hear from you on what books slash movies you want us to cover next. So if you could go onto any of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TBWB podcast, you can let us know kind of what you want to see or hear next there. And then the only other thing is Taylor. She has sent out merch yeah. orders. Merch just is a reminder. getting to people, which is fun and exciting. Um, but if you haven't been interested in our last couple episodes and you're just joining us for this one, um, we do have merch. Uh, I sell it through my online store, which is teacdesigns.com. Um, it's just a few little things right now. Um, I'm experimenting with a few more that we might be releasing in the next few weeks. As well as non-podcast related yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, like A lot of it's merch just is kind of a section of the store. Yeah. And I'm going to come out with but. a lot of like more just generic book related things that aren't necessarily podcast merch, but are, you know, a similar demographic. So if you mm -hmm. like books, I'll let you guys know when that uh, new collection comes out. So, but just a reminder there, that's teakdesigns.com or T-E-A-C designs.com. Yep. And yeah, that's all the announcements I've got. Mm-hmm. No, I'm good. All the ones you've got. All right. So then we'll dive into it. Emma. Book is written by Jane Austen, of course. A classic. It's a classic. Many adaptations, yeah. both TV specials and movies have been made. We agreed to watch the 1996 movie adaptation that um, 
featured. That's not the word I want. Starred. That's the word I want. Yes. Starred Gwyneth Paltrow. I almost called her Emma Paltrow. That was a weird mixture in my brain. And so that's the movie that we will be primarily focusing on in our critiques slash grievances, whatever you want to call them. We may we may like quickly comment on the other ones at the end. But for the majority of the episode, we will be talking and focusing on the 1996 Gwyneth Paltrow Emma, because I feel like that is like the one that most people have seen and think about when they think about Emma. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. When you first search it, or at least when I first searched it on Actually, the newest one is the first one that popped up, the one yeah. that came out in 2020. But other than that, before that new one came out, right? Like, I know there's TV specials and whatnot, but that, the Gwyneth Paltrow edition is normally the one that first pops up when you Google it or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So we decided to just stick with that classic one, thinking that it was the one that most people have seen. We just be wrong, but... Who knows? <laughs> but I don't, especially with all the weirdness that happened with uh, the pandemic and whatnot, I'm not sure if everybody has seen the most recent um, Emma adaptation. So. Yeah. 1996 Emma, directed by Douglas McGrath and written by Douglas McGrath. Well, the screenplay was written by Douglas McGrath, right? Based on the novel by Jane Austen. Yes. <laughs> this is something that I think is really interesting. Out of all of the films we've done, this is the first time that the music was uh, done by a woman. So all of the music was done by Rachel Portman. uh, And I thought the music in the film was really, really good. So Mm -hmm. love that. To be fair, the day we have a complaint about music will be an interesting day. (laughs) True, because, again, that's also been a pretty standard good thing. It's rare that the music in a movie sucks. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then casting was done by two people by Mary Selway and Sarah Trevin. So for the most part, I think they did a pretty good job though. I do have a few complaints, which we will get to. <laughs> so hi, Liv. You want to snuggle with me? Mama's recording, honey. You want to say hi to Auntie Titi? Hi, Auntie Titi. Hi. <laughs> okay, well, here's hoping she doesn't like hang up on you or something because she has my other. That's the downside of the Bluetooth headphones. She yep. she has it. So that's fun. Okay. So quick summary. <laughs> I'll get that done real quick here. So Emma is about a girl named Emma Woodhouse. And it's set in late 18th, early 19th century. Sure. In England. Sure. I'm. I don't know if they say the year Victorian Victorian ish era Mm -hmm. in England. And it's about a girl named Emma who thinks herself a matchmaker. And it's true. She's very clever and smart and and beautiful and things. However, she doesn't have a great understanding of the way the world works, truly works. And so in her matchmaking endeavors, she ends up kind of creating a bunch of issues, I guess, problems. for her friend. Problems, yes, for her friend, Harriet, who she's trying to set up. And amongst all of the misunderstandings, she almost loses her chance at love as well. 
but then it's also a Jane Austen novel, so it has a happy ending, and of course they all find love. So, so yeah. With that being said, that's kind of the summary. Uh, do you remember who goes first? No, no, neither do I. Okay. Um, I let's say you go first. Sure, I can go first because my third one is quick and. A little, I mean, not super important, but I have strong feelings on it. Okay. Um, so the costuming in this movie. I don't know. I just, I mean, I'm sure it was very time period accurate. I mean, I, it was very time period accurate, but sometimes. I was say it was very accurate for the time period. <laughs> sometimes they just were so blah or just like not super flattering or just kind of boring. And I don't know, I love part of the reason I love watching the period dramas and stuff like that is for the costumes and seeing what they do and like the gorgeous fabric prints and Mm -hmm. the way that they like interpret the historical accurate costumes. Because, I mean, it's a movie. I I don't know. You can take some creative liberties. I'm not one of those costume people who's like, it has to be 100 percent accurate at all times, because I don't know. I think it's fun to have it be a little bit more fancy than it was. We have more and better equipment nowadays to make better clothing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then with that, my biggest issue isn't necessarily even in the clothing. It's the freaking wig they stuck on Ewan McGregor. (laughs) I was going to say, was it the hair? (laughs) I love Ewan McGregor. He is one of my favorite actors. Oh, he's so good. It was so awesome I, getting to hear him sing. I movie, could so. not take him seriously in that stupid wig. Yeah. Every time he was on screen, I wanted to laugh at him. <laughs> like, and I don't understand because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong in my remembering. I don't have my book on hand. I don't think any of them are supposed to have long hair. I don't think it specifies. In no. fact, in the move, in the not in the movie, in the book, he goes all the way to London for a quote unquote haircut. So yeah, I don't know who who on their team made that decision to give him long hair, but it it was was the the worst decision. (laughs) I hate it. And it's like not even a good wig. Like it doesn't even look good. Two years old when this movie came out. (laughs) (laughs) I like it was it was bad. I mean, it is still Ewan McGregor, though. So I still love him. Still loved him. But I wanted to like, yeah, put my hand over the hair just so i could I just wanted to seriously. rip it off yeah. like stop he has such great hair why would you cover it with that honestly so that's my number three the costumes that's and mainly so just ewan mcgregor's freaking wig <laughs> um so my number three is actually a good thing um well in general i find that with these jane austen adaptations Right, because there's so many. Like, I think almost all of her books have been turned into a film in some capacity. All the most well-known ones have, for sure. Yeah. For the most part, they don't really stray from the Mm -hmm. storylines. And they don't really forget major plot points, for the most part, right? And that's kind of the case with this one. I felt like they didn't skip over any of the major story plot points. Mm -hmm. They They were all pretty much there in the film. So my number three is I really liked the chemistry between Gwyneth Paltrow, who plays Emma, and Jeremy Northam, who plays Mr. Knightley. Hmm. And I thought that the chemistry between them was really good. 
and really believable for kind of like, you know, because the, the storyline is friends to lovers, basically, you know, it's, yeah, it's a very common trope and like it's one of my favorite ones. It's one of the reasons why I love enemies to lovers, Pride and Prejudice right there. Bingo. Check that off. And then I love start out as friends and then you realize like, oh, I love him. Another one of the tropes I really like. Totally cliche. Don't care. And to be fair, when Jane Austen wrote this, it was not as a cliche. She created the tropes. (laughs) She invented them. I mean, in general, I just love the way Jane Austen writes characters. I mean, they're not they're not without their flaws. Right. Like even the main characters, the Mm -hmm. side characters, like she does such a good job at fleshing out all of the characters because you really do need those supporting roles as well as the main roles um, to have a really good story, in my opinion. And I think she does such a good job with that. And especially with Emma, like you like Emma. Emma is endearing, but she's definitely not without her flaws. No, there are definitely times where you want to smack her. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Frequently. But then with Mr. Knightley, it's such a good balance. And because of that friendship, he's he doesn't hesitate to call her out on Mm -hmm. her flaws and her issues. And um, it's kind of interesting because at the end, he even says that it's like, it might be our imperfections that make us perfect for each other. Like Mm -hmm. that perfect balance between them two. Right. Um, But I just, I think that you can really feel that kind of relationship and they have that, that kind of tension and everything in the film. I think it shows really well between Gwyneth Paltrow and Jeremy Northam. So um, not a, not a uh, grievance, by any means um it's a good thing but that's that's my number three yeah i number just two? just commenting on that i have a hard time with gwyneth paltrow <laughs> i know you do i i don't know why it's just something about her so i did have to like really oh, try i know to... why it's because outside of her acting she's a crazy person yeah that might be it that might be she it. Has a candle <laughs> called what like my vagina or something i don't know she's crazy <laughs> So I really had to overcome that in watching this film. I had to like. I just had to remind myself that she was in this film and it was filmed before she went full on crazy psycho with goop or whatever it is that she does. (laughs) So, yeah, I I left that point for you to say because I still like had a hard time really liking Gwyneth Paltrow in this role just (laughs) because I have a hard time with her. But well, have you seen this movie before? No, this was my first time watching this adaptation okay, of it. So, so I think it was helpful to me, too. The first time I saw this was kind of before all of Gwyneth's crazy came out. Yeah. And I know lots of people like her and that's fine if you like her. But I just think she's a little much and a little pretentious and over. I mean, if she recently, not recently, it's been a few years probably. But I, I remember seeing in an interview that she compared her and her now ex-husband's relationship as being like brother and sister. And I'm like, that's gross. You have children together. Oh, geez. Yeah. And also they named their daughter Apple. I mean, that's (laughs) not the worst name in Hollywood, though. (laughs) It's pretty weird, though. Yeah. I mean, did they do they really, really like their iPhones? I just don't I don't know. (laughs) Oh, that didn't even pop into my head. Um, (laughs) Okay. well. Oh, um, that was anyways, tangent, my but, uh. <laughs> my number two is specifically just it, the proposal scene 
And I'm not saying that it was poorly done because it was it was decently done. You know, mm-hmm. it was still sweet and romantic and cute. But compared to the one in the book, I don't know. I just feel like they cut some of the lines that were some of my favorite lines. And like, right. I know you're about to talk about the build up to the proposal. So I don't want to go too much into that. But yeah, I just I don't know. I, I just didn't. It didn't hit me as hard, like in a cute, sweet, like, oh, finally kind of moment. It was no Elizabeth and Darcy moment at the end of Pride and Prejudice, yes. (laughs) So, I don't know. I just, I feel like, I mean, I don't have a ton of qualms with this movie. I think it's hard to have qualms with Jane Austen adaptations. (laughs) They tend to be pretty good. (laughs) So, like, I, when I was thinking about it, I was like, if I had to change something, it would probably be the proposal scene. I would probably just kind of make it more true to the book. I don't think they needed to cut some of those lines. I think that they could have kept them all in and they were very like cute and nice and potent lines. All those things. So and I think, yeah, I'll I'll leave it up to you to talk about more with that. I'll talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah. Okay. well, my number two, this is an actual grievance. So I said earlier that for the most part, I felt like the casting directors, Mary and Sarah, did a pretty good job. But there were a couple characters that I take issue with, and I will go into that now. So first off, I have Miss Bates. So Miss Bates is supposed to be a spinster. And while I understand that spinsters back then were what, in their late 20s, early 30s, you know, so not very old at all. I found that who they cast for Miss Bates was way too young. She looked like she was the same age as Emma and Harriet and Jane, you know, like yeah. Jane's supposed to be her niece, but they look like they're the same age. Also, uh, as well as being described as middle aged, she's described in the book, like straight out as being quite ugly. <laughs> like, yes. So she's not only kind of annoying, she's also old and not attractive looking and I found the actress that they they cast for her she was too young she was too pretty I mean she did a pretty good job at the annoying thing but I, she, I did feel like it was very Hollywood she wasn't of them to pick someone a little bit prettier so to speak just because that's especially Hollywood in the 90s like it was very much I don't care if the book describes them as like a hideous monster, they're going to be good looking. <laughs> right. But but then on the off other hand, not the off hand, but on the other hand, very beginning w- before Emma in the book, that is before Emma and Harriet really even become that close of friends. The narrator in the book makes it a point to mention how pretty Harriet is mm. and that that's even one of the reasons why out of all of the girls in that boarding house, Emma kind of singles her out to be her friend slash project you know Mm -hmm. like it's because of how pretty she already was and while I found that the actress that they cast for Harriet she wasn't unpretty the way they like and maybe this is more to the director but some of the things they had her do or maybe it was the way they dressed her and things it was like they were trying to make her awkward and ugly which doesn't fit her description in the book Mm. 
like, yes, she's young and naive. She's only 17 in the book. Yeah. She's, you know, she should be young and naive. And yes, I totally flippant probably in who has her attraction one day to the next. But some of the things they chose to do with her character in the movie, specifically just, I don't know. Honestly, the thing that bugged me the most is the way she, the thing she kept doing with her teeth. Oh, I, I don't know if they thought it was supposed to be like cute the way she was biting her lip, but like it wasn't. It just came off weird, especially because she kind of has a pretty big gap in between her two front teeth, which can be very cute and can be very pretty. I'm not saying you have to have perfect teeth to be attractive, but she just kept doing weird things with her face. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was more the directing than anything else. Yeah, but yeah, and so I just, yeah, I no, the outfits that they put her in. They weren't flattering. No. And that's again so on the costuming. I, I didn't think that the the portrayal of Harriet Smith was accurate to that's the way fair. she should look. I would agree with that. Um, and then Miss Taylor slash Mrs. Weston, right? She's described as both and named as both in both the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought she was way too young. Again, she looked barely older than the other girls when she supposedly had been... Emma's governess for more than 16 years. Yeah. Which means, you know, they typically, from what I understand to the era and everything, is that before a woman becomes a spinster, right? Like if she doesn't marry in her early 20s, then she gets sent off to be a governess until she either does find someone to marry or she gets old enough that she does become a spinster, right? Like that's kind of... Where, where governess fits in, kind of. Yeah. It's one of the few professions that a woman could have at the time. And so when you think about it, she probably became a governess 25, 26 years old, somewhere, you know, mid to late 20s. And she's been a governess for almost six. She should be around 40. Mm-hmm. And she looks like she's in her late 20s. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was... Not a huge deal, but just another thing where I was, it just didn't match the way she was described in my mind, the way she should have been. So for the most part, like I said, casting was, I liked who they cast as Mr. Woodhouse, you know, as Emma's father. I liked who they cast as Mr. Weston. I already mentioned that I liked Jeremy Northam as Knightley. I loved Ewan McGregor, other than his wig, (laughs) as Frank Churchill. But those those certain characters just it just ruined some of the not illusion, but just the believability, I guess, in mm-hmm. some of those story points. So, yes, that's my number two. OK, my number one is actually a a good one. And I think it's going to be a little controversial. <laughs> I. Love Jane Austen's stories. I have a hard time with Jane Austen's writing. (laughs) Mainly because I don't have a ton of time to read. And generally when I am reading, it is after an eight hour day at work and I come home and I'm tired and I just want to read to relax. And Jane Austen's writing is it uses a lot of brain power. That I don't always have. I don't have. think so. <laughs> okay, but there's the controversy that you're mentioning. Yeah. I mean, like, 
I don't mind reading more advanced books, but like sometimes I would be reading through these chapters and I would be like, oh my goodness, when does it end? <laughs> well, and I think it's a, it's a very telling of the times that she was writing in. I, I feel like a lot of books today, they rely a lot more on dialogue to propel a story along. Whereas there's a lot more narration in her books. There's a lot of description in her books, which is funny because with all that description, the fact that the movie still can't get it right is a little hilarious. But yeah, it's just a lot of. I mean, she's no Christopher Paolini. OK, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just sometimes like especially the beginning of the book, I had a hard time because it was just like really long character introduction, really long character introduction, really long character mm -hmm. introduction. I was like. When does the story start? <laughs> like, yeah, and, and I think part of the reason why, again, sorry, here my English major with a focus on that. I took a lot of Victorian literature classes. That yes, was like my favorite I, thing. I did not. Um, so this book was released, right? Most novels, in fact, were released not as full books. They were released chapter by chapter in periodicals and newspapers or they were, they were released as parts, right? So mm -hmm. what we consider a series has, what, what, well, what was a series back then has now, when it's published, been compiled into a single book. But back then it was released in three parts, in three sections. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was kind of set up as kind of like, here, let me introduce all of the characters. Section one. Kind of setting up the beginning and mm -hmm. who the people are. Ah, section two. Now we're going to get kind of into the beginning of the story and the conflict or whatever. And then section three will resolve it and everyone yeah. will live happily ever after, you know. So keeping Which, that in mind, I think, helps yeah. me set up my brain and the framework the right way for when I'm reading these books. Yeah. And I mean, but, it's it's not like it's impossible to read. Like, I still enjoyed you know reading the it's book. not as hard as Shakespeare or Goodness anything like it's at least written no. in plain English <laughs> yeah I mean some of the words I had to like do a double take and be like what is she saying <laughs> but that's because they're words we don't really use anymore mm -hmm. or words that meanings the meaning has changed right? yes or like the phrasing of things like there was a couple times where like when she says like the ages I had to like reread it and be like wait a second he, there's no way he's 78 years old hold on <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i was like okay what is what is this and like six and 20 versus six and eight yeah like like that kind of stuff or when they are describing but it's all wordplay it's all flirtatious like that's the reason yeah why or when like they're, they they're describing people they'll she'll use phrases that i had to like look up just so i could make sure i was getting the right image in my head mm-hmm and so it just, I mean, it's definitely not a quick read. It's definitely a book where you have to be a bit more committed to understanding it and reading through it. Unless you've read it multiple times. Yeah, I find I, that's probably true. This was my first time reading it. Okay. Yeah. This so was, it was not my first time reading it. So it was a little <laughs> bit quicker for me. It was a lot. But I, I, found, I, have, I think I have made it no secret that I love Jane Austen yes. in all of her books. And so I, I have read all of her novels. Good at least movie once. adaptation of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, but her movie adaptations are good too. I just that's just it. And so I'm not. I mean, it's like I'm not saying the book is bad. I'm not. 
I really enjoyed mm-hmm. the book. But I want to give credit to the movie for making an adaptation that I feel like I could watch and not miss out on too much. Like right. you could follow it. I only have a couple hours. I can watch this movie instead of spending 20 hours reading this book. Mm hmm. And still feel like I got a similar experience. Yeah. No, I agree. So that's my number one as a good thing for the movie. I felt like they made a movie where I could rewatch it and not feel like, oh, man, I need to read the book. Because we have had those. (laughs) We have had many of those where I watch the movie and I go, oh, no, this is nope. I need to read the book. So, yeah, I liked it. I mean, overall, the movie, I think, was well made and followed the storyline. Like you said, it didn't skip any major plot points. Right. So I just think if you don't have a ton of time, you can watch the movie and feel like you understand enough of the book to, like, have a conversation with someone about it. (laughs) Maybe not write a paper about it, though. So No, no. But at least understand it. Make sure that if you are in a Victorian lit class and they have you read this, the movie will not replace the book. (laughs) Though it is... Like you said, fairly accurate. It doesn't miss. It's fairly accurate, many, but it's definitely like major easier points. to understand because it's all visually in front of you rather than like chapter long descriptions of people. <laughs> well, and my my thesis and, and, and capstone project when I graduated was specifically on Shakespeare and film, which isn't the same. Right. Because Shakespeare's work was meant to be viewed, not just read. Yes. Um, but I find that with any piece of literature from a different age that watching the story can help tremendously in understanding the written literature as well. So, yeah, I will say I luckily I had before I started reading this, I had seen the uh, BBC miniseries of Emma. Is that the one with Kate Beckinsale? Yes. Okay. I had seen that one. And so I knew the storyline already. So that definitely helped me. In reading the book to know kind of what was going on and who the people were. Because I think mm-hmm. if I had never seen any of the movies and I had read this book, I would be a lot more confused. Yeah, Well, and that's something with Jane Austen novels as well, right? I mean, it's one of my favorite things about her books, but can be a... What's the word I'm looking for? A... Not disadvantage, but something that kind of like turns people away, right? A is dissuader. Yeah, something that dissuades people is she almost she she could you could say she almost has too many characters. Yeah. So it can be difficult to keep track of who everyone is, especially because in the time period, right, they didn't call everybody by their first names. No. So there's more than one Knightley and there's more than one Churchill and there's more than you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, it, it gets very confusing. And then their names will change because they get married and then you're like, they get married. Yes. <laughs> You're not Miss You're not Miss Taylor anymore now. You're Mrs. Weston, but it's the same character. We're just yeah. calling her by a completely different name. Yeah. So, yes. Um I can understand how that would discourage, that's the word I was looking for. There discourage people from reading the books and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe this I don't know. I just find if it's your first time experiencing uh, cause it's not just Jane Austen, right? It's, I, I find it's a lot of books from that time period. Um, the Bronte sisters, you'll notice similar things, lots of characters, some with the same name that you have to kind of keep track of. Mm-hmm. And so I find that even just like keeping a notepad there 
and kind of just writing down almost like a key just so that when you're reading it, especially because you don't read it all in one sitting. No. So you read it and then you don't pick it back up for two more days. And then you're like, wait, who the heck was Mr. Cole? Who the heck is Mr. Cole? Right. Like because he's a character that's not mentioned as often. You just have a little key and you're like, oh, yeah, he's the merchant. OK, cool. Got it. Like, but see, the fact that you have to do that with the book is the reason why I well, pointed I out how nice the movie is. I don't have to do that with the books anymore, anymore. because I've read them often enough and have an, an interest enough in the way that she writes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But and, and you're right. Some people will find that too much work and just yes. will be like, no, I don't care. But if you are interested in giving you know, these older pieces of literature a read because it's, oh, here's a, a great slash awful example. Tolstoy. Oof. Holy crap. Great books, great stories. They're so long and they have so many characters. Oh my gosh. Anna Karenina, love it. Holy crap. There are so many people mentioned in that book. I definitely had to take take notes just to know who the crap he was talking about. You know, like, so I don't know if you want to read these because they're considered, you know, classics and great pieces of literature. Mm -hmm. You can just watch the movies and you'll get a good enough sense of the story or you can try reading the book. And and yeah, it just might take a little bit more effort on your part to, to follow it all the way. And that might include keeping yourself a little key of who the characters are. <laughs> yep. Oh, Adeline's awake. She's crying. Fine. Derek's home. He's getting her. Um, okay. So that goes. Anyways, into my that one, concludes then. my that number was a bit one. Of a tangent. <laughs> I knew bit it would be controversial. There. It's fine. I mean, but I think people will agree with you, right? I like, think so. The, the movie is close enough to the book. Why bother reading the book? And yeah. I say, why bother? Because I'll tell you right now in my number one. Okay. So my number one, because I, I, I've agreed with everything you've said, and even I said so myself in the beginning, that there's not a whole lot of differences. They don't miss any major plot points in the movie or anything. However, something that you get a lot, especially I think in these Victorian romance novels where the romance is much more subtle, mm-hmm. that in the books you see the relationships build much better mm. because the movies have to speed things up and they only have, depending on the adaptation you're watching, right? It's an hour and a half long, two hours long, or if it's like a BBC series, maybe it is longer. And those ones tend to not have the same issues, but I found this movie to have the issue where by the time Emma goes, I'm in love with Mr. Knightley. You're almost kind of like, Wait, what? <laughs> Where'd that come Where from? Where did that come from? <laughs> like, um, I think they do a decent enough job in showing the subtle ways that Mr. Knightley shows interest in Emma. I mean, there still there still could have been a bit more there shown, I think. But I think they're way too subtle in showing the ways that Emma has always had attraction to Mr. Knightley. Mm. until she realizes what her feelings actually mean right in the little ways i mean it 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 really doesn't show up right until in the movie until harriet says oh i think i love knightley now and that's when emma probably feels what like some feelings of jealousy and whatnot and that's when she's like oh but but there are other moments throughout the book where 
she has little feelings of, oh, why is he giving that other person attention? And why isn't he over here talking with me? And oh, yeah. he's, you, you know, and it to, to bring another adaptation in. So in the 2020 version of Emma, I think while that movie also has some has its flaws and things that if we were strictly talking about it, right, like I would have some grievances there. One of the things that I really enjoyed in that adaptation that I think was done really well is that the the relationship build between Emma and Knightley in that one, I think, is done beautifully Hmm. in the sense where it's uh, Anya Taylor-Joy plays Emma in that one and Johnny Flynn plays Mr. Knightley. And from the very beginning, there's the glances and and the subtle touches and the subtle ways they position themselves to be next to each other when they're at parties with lots of people or the I mean, it's just they're still subtle, right? Because everything when it came to romance in that time period was subtle. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until you made your declaration. And when you made your declaration, you were basically saying, marry me, right? Yes. (laughs) It wasn't until that point. And even after that, right, like in public and things, people weren't super overt with their feelings, um, specifically romantic feelings. So it's still subtle, but it's a movie <laughs> like, yeah, you can show those subtleties in a more obvious manner so that people can follow the storyline. I don't know. I feel like if somebody hadn't read the book and was not familiar with the story of Emma, I think they would have thought that the romance was supposed to be between Emma and Churchill, mm-hmm. Frank Churchill, you know, because there's way more attraction shown between them. Oh, yeah. And in the other adaptations, don't get me wrong, there is that flirtatious relationship between Emma and Frank Churchill. But there are also these moments and these glances and these small things between her and Knightley that show you from the beginning that Churchill has never been the main romantic interest. Mm -hmm. That was never Emma's path. And I think we we kind of talked about how the the miniseries, the BBC miniseries, always because they're longer, they're they're longer miniseries. They so they like, can show all those little nuances. The first one yeah. I watched was the BBC miniseries on this one, and so I really enjoyed it. I felt like I got to see that romance build through the subtleties. And by the end, I thought it was really cute and I really liked it. So mm-hmm. I was a little biased going into this one. Yeah. Being like, <laughs> all right, I know you have less time. Let's see what you can do with it. And overall, they did a very good job. I'm not saying that they didn't. Yeah, I'm not saying they didn't do a good job with it. And I still enjoyed it. And this was my first film introduction, like film relationship, I guess, with Emma. Since I have seen the others, right? But I first saw this one years and years ago. And and I don't not enjoy it. But I I just still find that there's just a little bit lacking. And I still find that the proposal at the end is beautiful, if not missing some of the, the tenderness that yeah. you get in the book. Yeah. But it's just not totally satisfying in that way. And And of course... I'm also giving into my own bias, probably, because my favorite Jane Austen film and movie and book and all the things, right? Whether it's a BBC series, just a two hour movie or a book, it's Pride and Prejudice 
all across the board. Like, oh, it's, it's very hard. Yeah. No, we're going to get into that one eventually. But <laughs> beat the love of Darcy and Elizabeth Ugh. and their characters and everything yeah. that. So I'm probably inevitably I can't help but compare a little bit. Right. That like there's subtle ways that their relationship changes and they show it in that movie. So why couldn't they show the subtle ways that their relationship changes in this one? Like, yeah. They're the same length of time. Like, you know, I just can't help but but go there in my, in uh-huh. my head. But yeah, still overall really good. And I liked it. But that's definitely something that um, I found lacking was that romantic journey from just being really good friends to realizing their feelings for each other. Just a little bit lacking for me. So mm-hmm. that was my number one. Um, And I think really quickly, the other big adaptation that I think a lot of people forget about but was an interesting adaptation that I just want to touch on because we've kind of talked a little bit about the you mentioned the new one I mentioned Mm -hmm. the BBC one then there's this Mm -hmm. one with Gwyneth Gwyneth Paltrow and then there's Clueless which is also an adaptation of Emma oh and I love that and I'm like I think that might actually be one of the best ones (laughs) it's so good it does a really good job actually yes yeah so if you want like a more well, and I love those like modern. Yeah. If you want a more modern shifts. telling of it, definitely. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Clueless yet, watch it. Well, it's like, have you seen? Oh, no, of course, it's going to leave my mind. It's that zombie love story. Do you remember what that one's called? What? It's he's a zombie and she's not. Warm bodies. Warm bodies. That's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And then there's like she's the man, which is an interpretation which of is, t- is it taming of the shrew? As, no, as you like it, as you like it. That one. I thought it was as you like it. I thought it was taming no, of the shrew. It's not. What is it? I thought it was taming. I think of it's the as sh- you like it. Hold on. No, there's too many Shakespeare things, and they're all running through my head now. I mean, Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. That's it. Twelfth Night. Yes, Shakespeare's plays have been adapted into a lot of really cool modern tellings. Yeah, um, and but I there love, are quite a few. I love watching them. Pride, but, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. That That's a fun hilarious. one. Like, so. But yeah, Clueless, when I first watched Clueless, I had no idea it was supposed to be based on a Jane Austen novel. <laughs> but it, it it does. It matches very well. So if you haven't seen Clueless or if you didn't know that Clueless was based on Emma, I highly recommend now re-watching it. it with that yeah. in mind. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's lots of fun. So. That I just wanted to throw that in. So we mentioned every single adaptation that I am aware of. Yes. Um, can you? I'm not sure we had any fan faux pas this week. I don't think we? so. Because, again, we had a hard time coming up with any <laughs> faux We pas. did have a fun. We, it was hard for me to find things that really bothered me. I because, mean, yeah, two, uh, they do two of ours were good ones. Just, yeah. They tend to just, in general have really good adaptations of Jane Austen novels. Like I said before, they're not super long or complicated to the point where they have to make great changes to to make it into a film. So, I mean, one of my biggest complaints was Ewan McGregor's in a wig. So, I mean, really, obviously I had a hard time taking apart this movie. (laughs) Yes. Um, all righty. So then other than that, right, uh, we've just got the age old question. <laughs> What's the book better? Mm. I think we're going to disagree on this one. I think so. 
I still think the book's better. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say from the standpoint of the book being superior, like better, better. I don't know. Okay, if you want to get elite <laughs> about it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have a hard time saying the book was better just because I had such a hard time getting through it. And maybe if I reread Fair. it, I would feel differently. But I'm and I'm not going to necessarily say that this the Gwyneth Paltrow one is the top interpretation of it. Adaptation of it. No, I would have thought. I don't know. I thought that I would like it more than this newest version. But I actually was surprised by the end of the, the newest film. I think I like it more than the Gwyneth Paltrow one. The beginning, I wasn't so sure. Mm -hmm. um, but man, they did a really good job with that character growth and romantic re uh, relationship journey. So and see, I really like the BBC's version and because it's longer so you can get more details in it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't think I would say the book is better. I'm going to be that person. Um, That's fine. <laughs> just because I've, I've said the movie was better in some instances. I would, <laughs> I would rather just watch the BBC one than read this book again. <laughs> Fair. I think that's fair. I still think the book's better. I also enjoy watching the different adaptations, but I think the book's better. <laughs> yeah. um, and I am curious, and this is going to be a question that I'll post on our social medias. Um, that's at TBWD podcast on pretty mm -hmm. much everywhere. Which adaptation you like the best of the four that we've mentioned. So I'm going to put a poll out there of the four and you can go over there and let us know which one you like best and why because i'm curious what other people's opinions are on all of them yeah which one's your favorite yeah that's a question that we'll probably ask whenever we do a jane austen book because there's a lot <laughs> many of them have multiple so yeah it'll be fun i mm -hmm. mean i'm not sure when we'll do the next one we'll definitely do pride of prejudice we'll most likely end up doing sense and sensibility um, I mean, there's a lot. What's the, the other one that's leaving my mind right now? I don't know. You're the Jane Austen person. I know. Let me grab my book. Northern Abbey. What? That's the other one. Northern Abbey. I have no idea what you just said. North Anger Abbey. Nope. Never <laughs> heard of it. You haven't heard of Northern Abbey? Okay. That's fine. Nope. It's a good one. And it does have a movie adaptation. I think starring... What's the girl with the really famous smile? <laughs> she has a niece who acts as well. What? She's in Pretty Woman. Oh, Ju 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 Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Is that her name? I think she's in the movie adaptation of Northern Drabby. I don't know for certain, but it's a good one. I didn't know she had a Unless famous smile. <laughs> She's really known. She's known for her smile, I thought. I don't know. Mm. Tell me if I'm wrong. Listeners, I'm probably wrong. It's totally fine. I just say things like I know that what I'm talking about when frequently I do not. So <laughs> um. anyways, um, speaking of future books we're going to do, definitely go head over and let us know what books you would like us to add on to the mm -hmm. next three months um, for our reading calendar. We're going to hopefully get those out by next week. So definitely go over there. Let us know your thoughts. Um, and then other than that, um, next week we'll be releasing another mini-sode. And then following that is 
Devil Wears Prada. So if you listen to the minisodes, awesome. We'll talk at you next week. If not, Devil Wears Prada in two weeks. Yep. And other than that, I think that about sums it up. So have a great week. And don't forget to read.